you have a Bible, why don't you open to uh, Ephesians chapter 2, please. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, the message entitled, The Gift of Salvation. Salvation, um, for some people, doesn't seem to be anything of great value. To them, it has a religious connotation, something that is kind of nice for the weak and the people that, you know, can't handle life. And so they usually associate um, uh, having to be saved or depend upon God with weakness rather than wisdom. Paul the Apostle here in Ephesians uh, 2, 8, 9 gives the reason God will display his church in the ages to come. It is simply this, that he alone saves sinners. Listen to the passage as he declares in Ephesians 2, 8, 9. He says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. This is a progressive letter. The connection is what precedes it. He's going to display his church because he's the only one that saves every person. In these two verses, the first thing we see is the proclamation regarding salvation. He says, for by grace you have been saved. The word for introduces the reason for why God will display the exceeding richness of his grace in the future to come. Grace is the um, unmerited favor, undeserved, as you know. It, that means that you can't earn it, you don't deserve it. It's just absolutely just God's sovereign, loving kindness and who he is. In the Greek, there's the article that's there. It says literally, the grace, a very specific one. God does not save sinners because um, he just feels like being kind. He doesn't save sinners because he feels indebted. And he certainly does not save sinners because they deserve it. It's just because out of his nature of being creator... And the promise he made way back in Genesis about sending a redeemer to redeem mankind, that he is true to his word. You see, one thing God cannot do, he cannot lie. Even as a father or a mother would do all that they could to rescue their child, son or daughter, in whatever situation they might be in, because they love them, the motivation would be love. But even a parent can't save a child because the parent is not the Savior. It's only God who has created us in His image and His likeness. Paul declared also the means God saves every sinner. He says, through faith. Usually people say, well, I believe. I have faith. But what is it that... Um, you believe in if you're not a Christian tonight. Maybe you're over the internet. Everybody says they believe in something, someone, or some divine being, some force. But um, faith is not just believing in, quote, quote, God, or in some cosmic force, or some school of philosophy. But biblical faith, as described here, means that 
you have put your trust in God's word, his revelation, what he has revealed to be what he honors for salvation. And that narrows it down to one person, Jesus Christ. So God asks you, if you don't know Jesus Christ tonight, whether you believe that he is the son of God who became man, that he bore your sin, he went to the cross and he died in your place. He tasted death for you. He took God's wrath upon himself instead of it coming upon you. And that if you believe that he rose from the dead and sits at the right hand of the Father, then you can call upon him and be saved. He's very specific about what you have to believe to be saved. You can't just say, okay. So in other words, you agree with God. He does not agree with you. He lays down the conditions. You're the one that agrees to submit to those conditions. But faith is that which God works through his Holy Spirit. By our intellect, we can't believe what God has revealed. So God, in a way that we do not understand by his Holy Spirit, allows the gospel to go forth to be proclaimed. And as people hear the gospel, God sheds enough light for people to understand their lostness, conviction, of their sin that they may then make a decision to call upon the Lord very important by grace through faith you know Newton said when I get to heaven I shall see three wondrous things one to find people there I did not expect to see there second is to not find people I did expect to see and the third and the greatest wonder is to find myself there grace through faith Completely a work of God. You might think that um, you're not that bad because you compare yourself to another human being. You may think that you don't need grace, that somehow you, you should be accepted by God because of who you are. But the Bible says in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death and you're a sinner. You're not perfect. You not only make mistakes, you willfully do certain things. Let me ask you, have you ever lied? The Bible says, no liar will ever inherit the kingdom of God. Have you ever stolen? Have you ever been immoral? Then we deserve the judgment of God. We don't deserve heaven, we deserve judgment. The Bible says that there's none righteous, <clears throat> no, not one. There's none that understands. There's none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have altogether become unprofitable. There is none that does, that does good. No, not one. So if you're measuring yourself to other people, you'll probably come out looking pretty good because you'll probably pick someone worse than you. But if you compare yourself to the true measure, God, you lose every time, every one of us. You might argue, 
How can God require that salvation be only of faith in Jesus Christ? Are you saying that all religions are wrong? Yes. But I don't say that. The Bible says that. God is not asking for my opinion, your opinion. God is not seeking to not offend anybody. He's seeking to save sinners. Because of what's at stake is your eternity. Not 10, 20, 30, or 100 years. Eternity. Where time does not end. And by your decision towards Jesus Christ and your response to the gospel, you will determine where you spend eternity. God will not determine that. You will determine that by your decision before you die and how you live. Whether saved, depending on Jesus, or unsaved, doing what you want. But the choice is yours. You might say, so you mean that if I believe what the Bible says about Jesus, that he will forgive me for every one of my sins? Yes. In fact, it says he will bury it in the deepest ocean. He will cast as far as east as the west. And he will never mention them again. And he'll make you a new creature. Whiter than snow. Not my words. His. His revelation. Not an opinion. But absolute objective truth. What's at stake is eternity. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. The way to heaven is very narrow. The way to hell is very broad. You can take any road, you'll get to hell. But you can only take one road to get to heaven. Believing and calling upon the name of the Lord. Jesus Christ. No one else. So Paul's proclamation regarding salvation is by grace. Notice... The explanation regarding salvation comes second. Paul elaborated to clarify what he means about salvation. He says, and that not of yourself. The word that is in the Greek what they call a neuter singular pronoun. It doesn't refer to the word grace or faith. Most Christians interpret it that way. That's not what the Greek indicates. Because the words for grace and faith are feminine. The article here is neuter. They don't go together. The neuter singular pronoun refers to the divine act of saving the sinner. The free gives us salvation. That's of God. That's what it's talking about. Not the faith. Salvation is not, nor can it be, the credit of a man or a woman, not of yourself. The act and product of salvation is entirely and only the doing of God by grace through faith. The very act and ability to save you or myself. 
But man is not passive. In other words, God doesn't just save you by you not responding. God always initiates. Man always responds. There's no contradiction. If God is the only one credited for salvation, there's no contradiction that you have to respond. When the phone rings at home or your cell phone, you have to respond. Someone's calling. Now, if we respond to people when they call our name and when they call our number, but God is constantly calling people to be saved, but they're ignoring him. That's quite an insult, isn't it? If, if someone kept calling you on the phone and you didn't respond, what do you think they tell you next time they saw you? Oh, I'm so glad you didn't respond to my hundredth call. They'd be ticked off. They'd say, what's your problem? Why don't you pick up? Yet God is knocking the door of people's hearts constantly because he loves them. Paul specified, notice what salvation is to man. It's a gift of God. Absolute gift. God is the possessor of the gift of salvation. It's emphatic in the Greek there. And God is the giver of that gift of salvation. Man is the recipient. He receives it. Two things are necessary. The one imparting the gift and the one accepting the gift. You cannot force a gift upon anybody. You cannot go to somebody's house or somebody's uh, location and say, Here, I'm forcing you to take this. You can't force them. It has to be accepted. So the two parties are necessary. And yet when that person accepts the gift, they can't boast about it. You've given it to them without any merit, without any debt, without anything. But if they reject it, they can't take it. You're stuck with the gift. You know, having the right key to open the lock on the door and to have access to that key is important. You may believe that the key that you possess regarding God, the things of God and heaven, is the right key. But the only way you will be sure that it's the right key is if it fits the lock. If what you believe does not match the word of God, you're wrong. You'll never open that lock. You'll never have access. As much as you may believe you're right, you're absolutely wrong. Your key must match God's lock. Absolutely. You know, the educators of centuries past and present have concluded that their intellectual accomplishments... And their contributions to society make them a little more valuable than you. <laughs> it's always been the case. And yet, they have bad marriages. They divorce. They lie. They steal. They're immoral. But yet, they think they're better. Because they're comparing themselves to other people. Their confidence in evolution compels them to deny God. 
even to the point where specifically in the universities they just make a mockery of God to their own judgment, to their own detriment. Now they believe that they're right. They believe that they are brighter than God. In fact, they believe that God doesn't even exist. Are they going to be shocked when they stand before God? Tell you, Judgment Day is going to be an incredible day for many people. First Corinthians one twenty says, "Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world?" Even in the short time that most of you young people have lived. You have to be able to see that the things that man proposes today, today they're called wisdom. In three years, stupidity. We used to use paper bags to go shopping. Then they became wise. Oh, no. Let's use plastic. Because it's much better. Really. Doesn't break down. <laughs> Wisdom back then, now stupidity. And so the same on every level of man. God's truth has always been wisdom. It's never been considered or proven to be stupidity. Ever. Not one person that is in hell right now believes they deserve heaven. Not one. They know now being in hell that they deserve hell. And they know why. Because they rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's not one person in hell right now that believes they should be in heaven. There's not one person in hell right now that believes that God is unjust. That God ripped them off. That God never gave an opportunity. Not one. Oh, what every person in hell would give one more opportunity to hear the gospel. Just one more time. Wow. Paul says in Romans 10.9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Grace through faith. Salvation, the gift of God. So the explanation regarding salvation is that it's the gift of God. He finishes up with the exclusion regarding salvation in verse 9. Paul declared works have nothing to do with salvation. Listen to his words, not of works. Paul is not um, talking specifically about the works under the law because he's in the day that he's speaking, he's talking about Jew and Gentile. But Paul is speaking in general to these Jews and Gentiles who feel their sufficiency to be saved by what they've done. Some of these Gentiles were in religious um, orders that um, demanded great works from them. And they felt kind of 
um, more righteous than others because of the things they did. Others were more licentious and they had no conscience, no nothing. But he makes it clear that um, nothing they can do or accomplish could merit their salvation before God. And then Paul declared that boasting has nothing to do with salvation lest any man should boast of these works. So he excludes works completely. He narrows it down to what he said, by grace through faith, a gift of God. The gift of God is the gift of God. The means and manner by grace through faith. It's the only way. And so Paul here focuses on the reason God designed salvation to be all his doing. Absolutely. It does not exclude the response of man to the initiation of God. In fact, the initiation of God gives greater accountability and responsibility to the one who hears and therefore greater judgment because judgment is always according to the measure of light you have received. If you're a parent or if you're a son or a daughter, you know that when, as a parent, if your child doesn't know something, they do something wrong, then you teach them, but you're not that caustic with them. But if they know what they've done and they've had that warning and they've had that consequence before, this time it's a little more severe. Why? Because they should have known better, right? It's simple. Paul focuses on the reason. Lest it's a purpose clause. Anyone that covers every generation, male, female, bond, free, Scythian, barbarian, Russian, American, Mexican, doesn't matter. Anyone. Because this gospel is for the whole world. The gospel is not cultural. The purpose is stated. Should not boast. There is no boasting, there is no glorying in anything. Simply means to take credit for something. And so, if you remember Simon, or Simeon the Pharisee, he looked down on Jesus because of the harlot that washed his feet with her hair, with her tears and wiped them with her hair. And he said, if this man were a man of God, he would know what manner of woman she was. At that point, Jesus looked at Simon, reading his heart, and said, Simon, let me ask you a question. And he speaks about a creditor, you know, a guy who owed him money, this guy owed millions, the other one pennies, he forgave them both. Which one will love the most? He says, it's simple, the one who is forgiven most. And he says, you see this woman? She has sinned much, so she has forgiven much, so she loves much. You see, Simon saw a prostitute. That's all he saw. Jesus saw a repented prostitute who became a new creation. Wow. No boasting whatsoever. Salvation is available to all sinners as a gift, yet not all will receive it. Today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow. Harden not your heart, the book of Hebrews says over and over again. If you've never heard the gospel, this is the first time, 
I would not bet that you'll be here tomorrow. You don't know. The day's the day of salvation. If you've heard the gospel many times, you've rejected. God's very merciful to you to allow you to hear it again. Salvation will always be distorted by those who mix works and grace of salvation. But if you examine it to the gospel, there is no room for boasting or works. Yet you're responsible to respond. From the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. What? The way for man to be saved. Absolutely what he did alone. The wrath of God fell upon the Son in our place. And so, where are you at tonight? If you know Jesus Christ, are you living for him? Are you just going to church or are you being the church? Are you growing? Are you developing? Are you maturing? Are you serving? Are you taking the gospel out? Are you being a light to your friends? To your loved ones? To where you work? That's your responsibility. If you don't know Jesus Christ, then the message to you is repent and be saved. Trusting what Jesus did for you. That he would forgive you of all your sins and give to you eternal life by the grace of God. That decision will determine where you spend eternity. You and you alone will decide that, not God. He will honor and respect your decision. He will not force himself on you. He would rather you not go to hell, but if you're stubborn enough, he will not force you to go to heaven. The choice is yours. Father, thank you for your grace, your loving goodness, Lord. And Father, we pray tonight that uh, you deal with our hearts. And Lord, for those who are listening who do not know you, Lord, whether they're here or over the Internet, we pray that you would speak to them and they would sense your love and understand your grace, Lord. And they would call on your name. As you're praying, if... If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God has brought you here to be saved, to repent of your sins. The Holy Spirit has made you understand because he's not the author of confusion. If you don't know Jesus Christ, he has given you the understanding of his work of salvation. Now, it's up to you whether you respond for him or against him. To be undecisive is to be against him. No decision is a decision in itself. You've chosen not to choose the right way. And God will respect your wishes and your will. But he would rather you call on his name. Right where you sit is between you and God. Because someone comes forward doesn't mean they're really saved. It's estimated that maybe one out of ten really are saved that come up in altar calls. 
So I don't trust altar calls per se by numbers. But if you're sitting out there or over the internet, this is your prayer of repentance. And if you mean it, if you know and you agree with God that you're lost and that He's the Son of God who died in your place and that He can forgive you, He's going to save you right now. It's just a simple prayer of repentance. Your prayer to Him, not to us. So if you want to be saved, born again, this is your prayer to the Lord. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me, Lord, for all my sins. Give me a brand new heart. Baptize me with your Holy Spirit. I accept you as my Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.